Welcome to the 94th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guests who are T1D entrepreneurs and frenemies, Sean Saint and John Sholand. If you're new to the show, welcome and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer and I'm the co-founder of Diabetes Daily Grind and host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. I'm not shy <laughs> about my friendly stalking strategies and had the pleasure of interviewing two incredibly inspirational industry leaders. Their drive to succeed mirrors my mission to help improve quality of life for all people living with diabetes. They are entertaining to say the least and had me laughing throughout the interview. And be sure to check out the YouTube episode because there may or may not be a shot given during this episode. <laughs> but before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, I'm gearing up for the epic 100th unicorn episode and just launched a new campaign. As a serial entrepreneur, I want to highlight my fellow creative diabetes homies. I promise you want to get involved. So shoot Penelope, DDG Marketing Associate, an email at Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. Number two, hosting the Real Life Diabetes Virtual Happy Hour every Thursday puts pep in my step and is a great way to kick off your weekend. The gathering has nothing to do with alcohol, but it is for adults. I hope you'll join me for entertaining pub talk, live music, random themes, and trivia sessions with other people who get it from around the world. Please note, you do have to register via the private Facebook group or by clicking the happy hour logo on my website. Number three, I'm in the process of launching a new podcast series. Just the facts, please. I don't know why, but I feel like that's how it needs to be said. Featuring medical professionals and industry leaders who can help fill the gap in diabetes management. I'm always down to learn something new, and I'm sure you are too. So hit us up if you're interested in learning more. And finally, stay engaged. Love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. Sign up for the e-newsletter where you will hear things first. Leave an iTunes review. Subscribe to the DDG YouTube channel. And click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. All right, let's get started. Hi, Amber. How's it going? Hi, Sean. How you doing, John? Looking forward hey, to Sean, we're turning this into a daily thing. Let's keep it up. Well, we've got dinner tonight, too. Yeah, well, hey, what's up? What do you guys have going on this evening? Grabbing dinner, that's all. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad that, okay, so I'm here in San Antonio, Texas currently, and where are you guys calling in from? San Diego, both of us. I love San Diego. Good times. How's the weather there right now? Pretty good. Ooh, it, was, pretty uh, <laughs> it was very, very misty this morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had the we had the ocean mist up to our house this morning. Oh, it was to my house, like thick. Does that uh, mean it's like fog and it's hard to see, or what? Yeah. Yeah. So in the, earlier in the year, in May and June, in San Diego, we get thick fog, and then the ocean warms up and it goes away. And this year, the ocean hasn't warmed up, so it stayed, and it's it's throwing us all for a loop because normally you don't see a cloud in San Diego from July to April. Mm, oh wow. Um, this year is very different. It uh, was, what, gosh, 80 degrees here a few days ago, and it went from, like, 112 to 80 in a, a matter of days with the hurricane stuff, and so mm. it's an interesting time in life, period. Uh, so we tried to get together last week, and these guys were so kind to 
joined back up because I had Wi-Fi problems just to add to the stuff. But I want to start with the fact that I met both of you in weird ways. And I kind of feel like a friendly stalker. Sean, I was working with Companion Medical and they were kind enough to sponsor a couple of podcast episodes a while ago. And in talking to his team, I was about to head out to the Diabetes Mind Innovation Summit and we got the opportunity to chat. You were only there on Friday night, right? I don't recall exactly. I mean, I, yeah, too many of those things. <laughs> so a short period of time, you were hobnobbing. We had a very small amount of time together, but it was nice to connect with you in person where mm -hmm. you were showing me, and we'll get into this in a second, how you use your devices. And I loved seeing it because you were a walking poster child, which I love. And then I was, I was a part of a virtual conference uh, not too long ago, and I came across John, and he did a presentation about a company that he is now a part of, and I loved the story of it and what all was going on. So I'm happy that the two of you are coming together, and ironically, you're both friends. So it was like the perfect story uh, to bring us together. So if you guys don't mind sharing just a brief diagnosis story, that'd be great. John? <laughs> yeah, my diagnosis story is I don't remember any of it. Um, I, I got type 1 diabetes just before my fourth birthday. So I've had it now for 21 years and uh, living and learning. No one called my joke. And, then, and still living and learning. So I don't remember. You know, I, 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 you know, there's a couple interesting parts of it. You know, one, I was diagnosed before the DCCT trials came out showing the you know, incredible benefits of intensive management of one's diabetes. Um, and I, you know, I also grew up in the time of regular and NPH insulin taken via syringe. So I've witnessed quite a few, you know, monumental shifts in diabetes from accessible and rapid blood glucose monitoring to new types of insulin leading up to the ultra rapid insulins and, and extra ultra long acting that we've seen CGM, of course, transformational smart pens, which Sean and I have both been involved with, and then uh, automated insulin delivery. So it's been an interesting journey and one that I've learned a lot, and, you know, but also one that I, I didn't really start taking my own diabetes so seriously until I started working with it and I got access to better information. So it's part of my journey. Okay. Let me ask you, as it being diagnosed so young, did they put you on an insulin pump? No, they didn't, they didn't exist at the time. I was using uh, syringes and vials of insulin and regular and NPH insulin. And I used that up until I was about 13 or 14 years old when I'm Swedish. So travel, but I grew up in, in Connecticut. And so traveled back to Sweden and I went to a diabetes camp in Sweden and I saw people using these insulin pens for the first time in my life. You know, we just said, wow, yeah. This looks a way lot smarter to be using an insulin pen than using a syringe. And so I flipped to using insulin syringes then 13, 14 years old, something like that. And uh, we didn't even see it in the U.S. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and I've said this before on other podcasts. I mean, I've had diabetes for a really, really, really long time. Started out with the vials and the syringe and whatever. But I've never been offered an insulin pump, which I think is crazy. And maybe because my A1C was good. Sean, what about you? Well, everything John just said, the opposite. Um, it really is interesting how that, that happens sometimes. So first of all, I remember everything. I was 35 years old when I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed first as a type 2. I had to fight with my doctor a little bit to prove I was type 1. I get myself sent over to endocrinology. I was really lucky that I had enough 
pre-existing knowledge to do that uh, because I've been in the industry a decade already. You know, so I worked with Dexcom and Tandem. You know, so in terms of technology, again, opposite, I was on CGM day one. So I've basically never taken a shot of insulin without the benefit of CGM. I did start with pens, but I've used every pen, I've used every pump, I've used, you know, essentially all the closed loop systems and now smart pens. So I've been very, very lucky in terms of the therapy I've been able to be offered and it's been available to me. But uh, the most important thing I think is that given all of that pre-existing knowledge, you know, one of the first things I told myself when I was diagnosed is like, okay, but this is never going to limit me in any way ever. And then it did, but we'll uh, get to that. The whole reason I started the Diabetes Daily Grind with co-founder Ryan Fightmaster is because, I mean, I've never, it's never kept me from anything as well. I mean, I have to think about things a lot differently and I just want to inspire people to live their best life and just know that there are going to be challenges and roadblocks just like anything in life, but we've got to just think a little bit more proactively before doing something. So you guys are both really active and don't you guys do what, tell me about, because you work out together, do something crazy, motocross, something. Yeah. Well, we ride uh, off-road motorcycles and it's a pretty cool sport actually. You can, um, you can go hundreds of miles through the deserts of California or Mexico or whatever you want to do and explore um, and, and ride maybe faster than we should. Um, it's a ton of fun, but it's a really good example of the kind of thing where, you know, people like to tell you, maybe not you can't do that, but maybe you shouldn't. And I think uh, I find John and I disagree with that pretty strongly. Okay, so what types of bikes are we talking about? And the reason I ask is because I have a motorcycle license. I got it when I was 14 and I had a moped and a dirt bike. So no, there's no combination there, obviously, but are they super fast? Fast enough. Fast enough. Are you like going around corners? I mean, I, I just can't imagine. Yeah, so, you know, what you might think of, as you said, a motocross bike. Um, technically, it's on motocross. That's where we're doing the huge jumps, but the bikes look exactly the same. Um, the only difference between our bikes and motocross bikes is that they're geared to go actually a little faster than that. Because when we're out in the open desert, we like to go yeah. you know, quite fast across that. But yeah, that's what we're talking about. And it's basically off-road racing. Okay, so in that type of setting, do you have backup supplies? And what is your low blood sugar snack? Are you watching your blood sugar the whole time and you're like, because of adrenaline, it's probably through the roof? Our backup supplies are each other, quite honestly. <laughs> you know, I know I'm taking responsibility for myself and I have a bunch of stuff with me. Um, my low blood sugar supply of choice are, are cliff blocks, which I have. Yeah. Each time I go riding, I add more to my backpack. So I'm now basically weighed down by three million cliff cliff uh, block things but in all seriousness i mean so we prepare you know we prepare for it and we do you know we take it seriously we're often way far away from civilization in the desert and places that help is not closely available so we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves but also can help each other so it's interesting for both of us you know with many years of diabetes between us, between Sean and I, but also a lot of knowledge because we work in it and things like that. I think we learn a lot from each other and seeing what's happening for the other guy. But also, I mean, I prompt Sean, he prompts me to check your blood sugar. If you're low, let's just not, let's just actually stop for a little bit and not keep riding as you'd normally do yourself. So I, I think it, it's been an interesting dynamic. I, I know a lot of people in diabetes and certainly my own experience for most of my life was I didn't really know anybody else that had diabetes. You know, now I got a buddy that not only has diabetes, but you know, has incredible experience. So we're, we're still all learning a lot about it. 
I was just going to agree absolutely with him. I mean, you know, we, we both ride with other people and you need to be able to handle yourself and we do, but it's sure nice when, when we ride together. Um, and of course it's not just riding, there's plenty of other things, um, you know, between mountain biking, surfing, what have you, um, because it just normalizes things, right? When, you know, we're sitting down and, you know, you're like, okay, well, we're having a taco or something. I'm going to take three units of insulin or whatever it is. And we kind of discuss that for a second. Like, well, this next section's pretty hard. We're going to be working. I scratch that two units, yeah. uh, you know, or you, you get up from, from lunch and it's like, ah, three units of IOB. This is going to be tough or whatever. But you can discuss that rather than just internalize it yourself and have to make those decisions on your own. Right, so I find that interesting. For me, uh, my blood sugar snack of choice is just glucotabs. Um, I like the Steel John's or uh, Cliff Blocks. They're better, but that's just what I carry. Well, those are good. Those are easy to travel with, too. And, you know, whenever Ryan and I were together, like, doing tours of JDRF and stuff like that, I'm not, I'm not saying that I ever judged him, but his management was very different from mine. And so I was like, really? You're doing that right now? Like, have you thought about that? And it's like, you don't want to be, I didn't want to be motherly, but did you guys give each other a hard time? It happens. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we, 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 we take it seriously. We plan for it. And, you know, I, I, think, I think Sean takes his diabetes pretty seriously, you know, and, and I, I think probably for both of us, I, I don't know if it's the same for Sean, but I would imagine that that's come with age and it's come with experience that we're like, you know, it's actually time to say, I need to stop for a little bit here or deal with it. It doesn't mean there's not profanities coming out or you get frustrated <laughs> with it or anything else, but we know that we both take it seriously. Well, and I say often too, because I'm a part of a couple of like support groups and Facebook stuff. And then I host the happy hour every week. And we, I say this to the medical community often, I learn more from my peers than I ever have in any doctor's office in 35 yep. plus years. Sure. And so that's why I'm so about chatting with you guys. And I want to get into the fact that you have taken, well, Sean, you said you worked in the industry before diagnosis. So you were familiar with the diabetes community at whole, but you've taken your diagnosis and I'm going to say it fueled maybe a career path. So can either of you touch on that? I mean, and why? Because both of you have done a lot for this community and we can talk about it as in depth as you'd like or not, but you've done a lot for people with diabetes. So I want you to kind of sing your praise a little bit and how you got into it to inspire fellow entrepreneurs here in the diabetes community. Thank you, first of all. Um, I'll say that, uh, you know, I had been in the industry for like a decade before I was diagnosed. And, you know, as much as I thought it was a cool place to work, to be very fair, it was a job. Um, and despite the fact that I had, you know, 100 friends with type 1, it was my job. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed myself, but it became a calling or a profession or what have you. And a little embarrassed by that. I'd like to tell you that it was that way, you know, from the very beginning. Uh, not necessarily the case. But now, I, I don't see it could be any other way. Um, John said something really important a moment ago that he didn't really know anybody with type 1 previously. And as I understand the this, this statistic, that's true. The average person with type 1 doesn't know another person with type 1. And I was diagnosed into a world where I had 100 friends with type 1. My experience has been so different. And for me, so, so positive. You know, I, I don't know how we recreate that experience, but something I think about. So also, you know, thank you for the... Uh, the kind words, Amber, and I think, you know, as much as I wanted to help other people, which is definitely a calling, you know, a big part of what's my own journey in working with diabetes is just how frustrated I've been for myself and with the tools that I had access to or didn't have access to and what I wanted to do to enable me to 
ride motocross or participate in endurance races or just not end up in the hospital. You yeah. know, so my entrance was I used to work in a totally different industry in, in um, the digital marketing and big data and analytics for some of the world's biggest brands on the marketing side. I needed to solve a problem for myself, which was this worry that I had about taking double doses of insulin. Because uh, I just, you know, as we all know, if you take your insulin four or five, six times per day with, when you're on MDI, you just forget sometimes. And, um, you know, I was just sick of having to ask my wife, ask around, or she loves to tell the story of the butt sniff test where she, you know, you can sn smell the injection site if there's a residue of insulin. So she's very fond of telling that story to embarrass me. But the truth is, you know, it's not that fun to have that worry so often. And so I set out, I solved it for myself and turned, you know, I accidentally found myself in the medical device industry. And it's been a really fun, fun, interesting ride um, to develop products to solve, you know, real needs that I had and that many of my friends have. I was gonna ask you a question. You said she's telling that story to embarrass you, but let me get this straight. She was the one sniffing your butt. I, I, hey, I read it the same way, but I'm not the one telling the story all over the internet. <laughs> well, my personal mission is to bridge the, the gap between the medical community and the patient because we know we don't have enough time in their office and for, all, for a number of reasons. And so I remember talking to a peds endo and just when I started learning about companion medical and I was like, oh my gosh, do you tell your patients who are MDI about this, you know, this pen? And she said, no, who forgets if they gave their insulin shot? Oh, the stories I have on this topic. Oh. I, was, I was so fired up and I was like, well, I do. And I get up in the middle, I just have an alarm set. I leave my insulin pen needle on the side of my sink so that if I go back to bed, I know that I've taken it. Because you don't know. I mean, I could be doing it in my sleep. I've slept walked and given myself a shot. So that frustration so to hear you guys talk about i mean it's just nice that we're talking about mdi and it doesn't always have to be pump therapy and i'm glad that those options are available but let's dive into a little bit sean so let's talk about companion medical and all the recent developments yeah thank you um so the first thing i would say is you know i agree with what what john said earlier for me it was just saying you know pumps are fantastic right all of us here on this call believe in pumps we agree with pumps um but as long as everybody's not using one Maybe we should consider how to bring the benefits of pumps or many of them to pen and syringe users, you know, pen users specifically in this case. Um, that was for me the genesis of the in-pen system. And it's funny that you mentioned the Pizendo's feedback because I get that a lot. I get an expectation that the in-pen system is a tracking system, and it is. But yeah, sure, it's dose reminders, it's tracking of your doses, it's you know, insulin on board display, it's a dose calculator, both features that have previously been fundamental to a pump. And we do all those things and more and i think we have a bit of an issue because it's so unexpected that what it does when you say smart pen people are like okay cool tracking pen it's like well it does a lot more than that actually and but but they know right tracking pen i'm out and it can sometimes be tough getting people's attention and saying and showing how much more the system does and the fact that you know, if somebody on a pump finds an insulin and board display valuable or a dose calculator valuable, then please tell me why a pen user wouldn't find that valuable. So our strong belief is that almost everybody on MDI should ultimately be on a smart pen done right, right? Because they don't take any more work from you in their best iterations. And uh, I think this is something John and I both believe, I think. 
And, you know, what that's ultimately going to look like, I don't know. It'll take time. But it was something that was needed. And it's catching on quick. I'm glad. I'm so glad to see that as an MDIR that all these, these things are popping about. And, um, and John, I want to touch on you, too, because you started something, sold it, and then now you're a, you've embarked on another diabetes adventure in the, in the career path. So can you touch on a little bit about BioLink? Sure. And I mean, I just want to, you know, there, it's, I want to go back one step because, yeah. you know, Sean and I have been, I don't know, if, I, don't know I don't have a better, better term than frenemies for many, many, many years. And yeah. I remember the call I first got when I was introduced to Sean, and then I was living in Sweden, Sean over here in San Diego. And, you know, Sean and I were ultimately trying to solve the same problem, but mm -hmm. approaching it from different ways. And what was always refreshing about this was that we, I mean, we were competing with each other, but we always had the, the, the view that we were, you know, that we were small enough in, and we were trying to create a new category that we always had the mindset of that we would, um, you know, try to support each other to develop attention because we were both so frustrated at the fact that when you go to diabetes conferences, you read the literature, you read where the investment dollars are going. It was for many, many years, it's been towards automated insulin delivery mm -hmm. of pumps, you know, despite the fact that 90, 95% of the world population don't use pumps. So we were always so frustrated at why, why is no one taking this stuff seriously? And so, you know, just we spent many an hour in a car together as we're driving to place on our bikes, but we always have to have the Chinese wall in between us because he had companion medical and I had the stuff, you know, that, that we developed at Bigfoot Biomedical, which is yet to be released. And so there's still a Chinese, Chinese wall between us that separates kind of where we can go and where we can't go in this topic. Competition um, is always a good thing too, so. Yeah. I couldn't say that better, John. I will say it is interesting to see our conversations because there's these pregnant pauses, right? And then there's the, forget about that. <laughs> oh. I thought I can't talk about that. So yeah, so um, I work at, at a place called BioLink and what we're doing is developing um, a totally new continuous glucose monitor. You know, there's, there's, there's no doubt, we all know that everyone who's using insulin and probably beyond, but certainly everyone using insulin should be wearing a sensor, mm -hmm. you know, for many different reasons. But when you start looking at the data, only about 30% in the U.S. or, or 30 to 50% of people that should be wearing a CGM are. And there's many different reasons for that. And, you know, I wear a Dexcom sensor. I've worn a Libre. I've developed products on the Libre, the Bigfoot products. These are great products, but there's a reason that people are not using them. And uh, I, became, I, I grew aware of BioLink and what they were doing. And it, it seemed to me to be the culmination of everything that we've wanted in CGM, but have not quite ever been able to get there. So on the technology side, it is, it's the world's most advanced sensor for many different reasons of how it performs, of, how it of, of the fact that there's no lag time. So, you know, you're low, you treat 15 minutes later, your, your sensor still says you're still low. You don't have that any longer. Right. So it performs really well. It will be great for a, a, a control algorithms because of low latency. But then just on the patient side, you know, the fact it's, it's you can wear it anywhere. It's totally pain-free. Um, you can you push it on to the surface of your skin because there's no needles, and it's just microns below the surface of your skin. 
And so it's just really cool. It the performance and the usability is just top notch. Are you limited as to where you can wear it? So it will need to be approved and you will, you will do trials and it will be indicated for use in those places. But so long as we can do more trials and get more indications, no, you don't need the fatty tissue for the sensor to sit in the subcutaneous tissue, which is where traditional sensors sit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you, now I'm wearing my shirt, but if you imagine the muscle on your arm here, it'd be a pretty scary prospect to put a sensor right on that muscle because of that introducer needle. That's where we do a lot of our trials. And so you can't, you won't be able to wear it on your hair on top of your head just because you can get hair in the way, but in, in theory it would work almost anywhere else. And it just, it opens up new science, you know, we, when, whether you're using MDI or whether you're using a pump, you know, we're, we're injecting and wearing sensors in the same places typically. So we want to open up more real estate. I love that. And I got to say that with all the community groups and stuff that I'm a part of, I'm blown away. I mean, like I get like cringy when somebody was like, yeah, I just put a G5 on my breast or a pod. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what is it? What are we doing? Or the inside of my thigh? I'm like, what are you walking? So I think that we're all learning from each other as to where to put things and what's probably not the best idea. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. After being around for a while, you do catch people doing, you know, wearing things in different places or what have you. And I do remember the time I saw the, uh, I've all seen the boob pod, but I saw the boob injection. Ah. And like, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, I've, I've been meaning to tell Sean, I've been seeing where he wears his sensor on the abdomen, of course, but uh, I've been placing it on the same place in my abdomen, Sean. So I've been meaning to uh, tell you about that. I've been taking some inspiration for your yeah, abdomen. Good, right? Well, to, to be clear on it, I wear it kind of behind my back, right? lower on my back around the abdomen and I jokingly say that's because you know when I look in the mirror I don't want to mess with perfection yeah so. yeah well that's actually the spot I'm wearing it I'm just uh, I'm, I'm claiming it's the abdomen <laughs> it's the reverse abdomen the reverse abdomen Sean I totally understand that theory maybe I'm vain and my doctors used to get really onto me but I have only given maybe 10 injections in my stomach because oh. I like the way it looks and I mean, and I, of course, abuse the, up, uh, the upper part of my thighs and stuff, which now that I'm in my 40s, you can definitely see, <laughs> see the uh, damage there, but it's, you're going to do what you're going to do. And I want to love my body exactly as it is. So just a crazy. Yeah. I'm in a rut injecting in the abdomen. That's a rut for you. Well, and I think you, when you were showing me the end pen at the conference, you gave a shot, which uh, but I can say this and I'll edit it if I can't, you gave it through your shirt. And I know a lot of people do that. I'm just like, what if you bled? I mean, what if I cracked uh, it open? I get a lot of grief from doctors when I've when I've done that uh, conferences and whatnot. But you know, the simple fact is that it works, and uh, <laughs> for me, it works for me. You know, what I'd rather is to give a shot through my shirt than to wait 30 minutes or an hour until I can yeah. scurry off to the bathroom and untuck my shirt. Because I'm not going to do that in the middle of a conference. Um, so that's what works for me, but. Um, but I'm not advocating that to anybody else. Right. We're not giving any medical advice here. We're just talking about our own stories. Okay. Let me ask you, um, if you're outside of the diabetes community, when you go out to dinner, let's just say with your friends, do you shoot up at the table or do you excuse yourself? Table. Yeah, absolutely. The table. I'll just say that, uh, you know, when I was diagnosed actually on day one, another thing I remember, John, my boss at the time asked me, you know, what are you going to do? And I didn't understand the question. And he explained himself. He's like, no, listen, you're the director of advanced technology at an insulin pump company. You can either, you know, hide it from everybody or become diabetes man, but there's no just happen to have diabetes. Mm -hmm. huh, good point. 
So I consider myself diabetes man. I'll talk about it to anybody, anytime, any place. I don't care. Happy to do it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm loud and proud in that way. I love that. Yeah. yeah I hit it for uh, ages. Yeah. What a disservice that was, honestly. And now I have, we all have the ability to educate people and the more that people understand, um, the better. And I got to say, there's a, something I'm working on that I would love input and I'm not pitching anything, just saying that for the record. But there's a show that I love. It's What Would You Do? And there is all these scenarios and I cry at everyone because it's something that would hit on the little heartstrings. And so I'm going to pitch a number of type 1 diabetes scenarios. And so the happy hour group has come up with some pretty good stuff. But if anything comes to mind as to, because I would always excuse myself, I would never give a shot at a table. But I've seen, you know, people are being shamed and all these things. So let me know if you come up with any fun ideas as to where we can educate the public, the general public, as to what life with this disease is all about. My immediate thought, you just kind of triggered a, a thought for me, is, is, you know, that you mentioned that you've never been offered an insulin pump. And I know from my own experience in running companies in diabetes and trying to get the message out of my product at the time, it's so hard to reach people with information with diabetes. When we started the company, we all came from internet projects and, you know, up to, you know, my partner had made the most widely used internet software of all time. So we thought we were good at internet stuff. And we thought that rather than, you know, everyone, everyone else is doing it the old fashioned way in medical devices, we're going to go straight to the consumer, use the benefits of, of digital marketing and reach people at a lower cost and quicker. But it was so hard to do because people were not looking for this information. They weren't reading about it. And I think people are, for many different reasons, you know, quite withdrawn in either sharing their own diagnosis or seeking information or whatever it is. And so, you know, there's so much information that we're sitting on that is not reaching people that need it the most. So, I, you know, that's a real passion for me to figure out how to do that better. You can also flex your muscles at the same time to make it more dramatic. Wear the shirt. Oh, shoot. It's actually through my shirt. At the happy hour every week, I, I mentioned that I've spoken with someone and the, the new technology that's out there. I, got, I received three press releases today about some stuff that's coming up. And they're like, what? How do you know about all this? And I'm like, well, because I'm trying to put the word out to people like you who you're never going to hear about this in your medical office. I mean, it's... Yeah. We have to be our own advocates. And so I love, love, love uh, talking about what's down the pipeline. And I don't have to use it. I'm completely unbiased. I think people with type 2, unfortunately, do not get the best treatment. And I hope that changes in my lifetime. Um, everybody should be on a CGM. We all know that. And uh, So I don't want to hold you. I mean, I'll talk so we're blue in the face, but I don't want to hold you hostage. I want to say if you can talk anything else about what you're currently doing, but also if you have any pieces of advice I really want to support the diabetes entrepreneur community um, because I think that we come up with the best ideas and we need to find the either the funding in order to do it or the big dog that will take us seriously because we are insanely valuable. And as you know, so any pieces of advice? I don't know if it's any helpful, but I will say that something you said earlier and John just mentioned this as well, sort of frustrated me. You know, you said that you've never been offered an insulin pump. And one of the things that we've seen a ton is there's an expectation in the diabetes industry that if you're doing okay, that you shouldn't be offered anything. 
Right. Um, and CGM is an example. And we've seen lots of stories that people do well on BG, so they don't get offered or don't even get allowed to have CGM. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm doing okay because I'm busting my butt. Yeah. But it would be easier if you gave me this tool, right? Maybe I'm doing okay on traditional pens because I'm writing down every single dose and, you know, calculating my IOB. Be nice if something else did that for me. But, you know, you're not offered it because you're doing fine. And in my opinion, that's a complete misunderstanding of the medical community mm-hmm. about quality of life and burden of the disease and things like that. Outcome is not the only metric. You know, and you hear about diabetes burnout, right? That's a real thing. Let's, let's do what we can to reduce that. And again, outcome is not the only metric. So is that advice? No. I don't know what to do with that, except it's, it's more of a challenge than advice. But it, it has been a real one for us, I think. And it sounds like, um, John, you told a story and Amber as well, you know, that we all ran into that. I think my comment, Amber, would be a little bit different. And it would be that I think when you, you know, you're a person with diabetes, you're reading about companies like Sean or my former company or my current one, it's easy to think that these are big, successful, you know, companies that are doing things. But I can tell you from my own stories, from my own experience, also watching Sean, it is so difficult to start businesses within diabetes and especially to make stuff, make pieces of things. It takes so much money to develop these things and get it through the regulatory authorities. And as a result, you know, big companies, all the big companies that we know about and hear every day, they have the muscle to be able to do that and to make mistakes along the way. But little companies don't. And so we need to support entrepreneurs and little companies to be able to go forward. And I can tell you from Sean's story, you know, it's the same for me, but I mean, Sean has busted his butt for a decade to make this happen. And, you know, worrying about being able to put food on the table for his two beautiful girls or da 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 It's hard. And so we need the support of the whole community to rally around people trying to make a difference, whether it's for them or not. You know, even if it's not for you, it is so hard to bust through and make a product that we need everyone's support to to kind of contribute to make it happen. I totally hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. I think that was right on. Um, A little bit related to it. I'll say that, uh, at least from my own experience, you know, I know that on day one of the company, there was, you know, there was one person, there was three, whatever, you know, and, um, you know, you're, you're comparing yourself to these companies that are starting to get a little bit of traction. You're saying, oh man, you know, we don't have anything, you know, compared to what they have because, you know, look, and then you start to get a little bit of traction yourself, whether it be a regulatory clearance or some commercial traction or whatever it is. And people start to look to you and say, oh, look, we don't have anything like what they've got <laughs> internally. We're like, you know, it's, it's a catastrophe, right? <laughs> you just trying to hurt the cats every day. And uh, I, I guess I'll just say that it, it can be a little bit intimidating to look at people with some, you know, some early success and, and, and get discouraged. But that's a show, right? For sure. It takes a, a pretty significantly sized company before things get somewhat calm inside. And I think even then they're, they're more chaotic than anybody would expect. So don't get discouraged. Whatever you're doing right now, you know, it's supposed to be... Uh, Chaotic. I got to say that I'm 
this episode will come out quite a few before the hundredth unicorn episode that I've been working on. And uh, I put out something recently in a newsletter and I'm saying this. So the whole episode I'm going to, it's a small buy-in because I've self-fund everything. But for all the small companies that don't have a large marketing budget, you can get involved. I will put your link. I will put your logo because my goal is to get all the information out to the diabetes community. And we all know the big brands, but we don't know about the companion medical years ago, unless you're in the diabetes trenches and like me, that is just so excited to learn about new things. So if there's anybody that you all know of that needs a little help getting it out there, I'm unbiased and happy to help in any way that I can. I can think of a few. I'm sure John can too. Yeah. Well, any last words before I wrap this up? Plan ahead with your own diabetes. Keep it safe and go do whatever you want. Yeah, literally whatever you want. I think that's, uh, for me, the big thing I had to realize. It's just, this doesn't stop you ever. Okay, right. one last question. What is your goal blood sugar? And or where do you feel your best? Feel my best anywhere between 100 and 150, but my goal totally depends on what I'm doing. Um, I know some true heroes that can sort of be 100 regardless of what they're doing. That's not me. I'm, uh, you know, if I'm sitting around with my, my butt on the couch, maybe 100. If I'm throwing my leg over the motorcycle, it's probably 150 if I don't have any IOB, and it's maybe a lot higher than that if I do. Same. I'm 141, and I have a half a little thing arrow going up. Let's see. If we're going to play that game, I'm 208 and flat. <laughs> I was 131 coming into this with the arrow slightly going down. I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat something really quick because the last thing I want to do is have a low blood sugar trying to interview people, sweat through it and act like I'm crazy. So I might have made the decision to have some birthday cake at lunch. Is it your birthday? No. <laughs> Somebody else's birthday cake, but it was still good. It's for birthday. Who needs that? For birthday That's cake? Awesome. All right. Well, thank you both so much. And uh, I will be sure to friendly stalk you again in the near future. It was clear the moment Sean shared. When I look in the mirror, I don't want to mess with perfection. I knew this would be a great episode, and I'm willing to bet you giggled throughout the interview. In wrapping up this episode, I have peace of mind knowing the diabetes community has innovators like these two gentlemen. Good on you, and please keep up the good work, guys. Before I wrap up, I have a few last-minute reminders. Number one. Real Life Diabetes Virtual Happy Hour takes place every Thursday from 5 to 6.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. And be sure to register via Facebook private group or by clicking the Happy Hour logo on my website. Number two, you want to participate in the 100th Unicorn episode. Yes, you do. Number three, we are always looking for partners, sponsors, etc., who share my mission to provide support and resources for all people living with diabetes and their loved ones. Penelope would love to chat, so hit her up at penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. And finally, please stay engaged on social media. If you want to contact me directly, I can always be reached at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com and getting a message from you and or an iTunes review makes my heart happy and keeps the episodes coming. Nope, that's a wrap. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. 